I always say Nikki and I won the battle of conception. So, you know, we're the two sperm that made it to the egg. Anyways, hey guys, <laughs> welcome to this foursome. This is Cami. This is Nikki from Double Teamed, as you know. I'm Anna, I'm the Sludgepreneur. I'm Natalie, I'm from How I Fuck, the podcast. Perfect, and today we are doing a panel on what it's like to have a sex podcast and why we all love it so much. How we fuck a sex podcasters. And I don't think there's been a panel of podcasters before in the sex space, sex category. Yeah, Ooh, actually, I'd have I to research of. that. I haven't heard of any. Yeah, I haven't heard yeah, of any fact, either. Fact check me. We could be making history. That's We're a great little statistic right there. Are we the first ones to pioneer this? has to be perfect okay great so, so sex podcasters need to come together right mm -hmm. especially if women supporting each other queens support queens Hashtag oh that's blast. what i'm saying <laughs> i'm like we all have to support each other we're all in this together it's like Once high school musical no we're <laughs> okay anyways yeah it's uh no competition you know yeah no, and I mean, that's one thing that like I love about podcasts is even when you are covering the same topics, like I think there is still a space for, you know, for the, the people that want to join these conversations just because we all have different perspectives. We all have different like stories and backgrounds. Like we all resonate with people differently. Some people may find us annoying, but absolutely love you, you know, so it's <laughs> You never know like what what's going to like strike a chord with people. So like I think it's important for like any podcasters, you know, in a space where like, you know, they feel there's already kind of a lot of saturation there or anything like that to remember that, you know, your voice is unique and it is specific and so there's there's definitely space for for people to resonate with that. And the one thing that we all have common ground about is being so open and authentic about sex. So that's the the common thing with all of our audiences, which is awesome. No, I agree. And I think that's, you know, part of the reason why they all come to our podcast. Like we are open about it. Not everyone has kind of that vulnerability and that willingness to share. And so people love hearing from the people that do. So mm -hmm. I want to add to the first question. How did we name our podcasts? Oh, that's a great one. So mine is kind of simple. It's Slutrepreneur. And as someone who owns multiple brands, I find it's really key to explain who you are, what you sell within the name so that your elevator pitch isn't extremely long. So I started as an entrepreneur, but I've always been a slut. I haven't always advertised that I'm a slut. Obviously, it kind of takes time and age and confidence to do that. But I was laying awake at night and you know, when when you aren't dumping things in your senses, like your phone and whatnot, you finally have like that clear space to think like when you meditate. So Slutchpreneur came to mind. And instantly I was like, is the dot com taken? And I Google searched it and everything. Because once you can find a name that no one has, and you can brand it out, it's just creme de la creme, because then you can take all the handles. So <laughs> that was my first thought is, can I get the dot com? Can I get the handles? Then I got it. One bad thing is that it's extremely hard to spell. I don't think anyone can even spell entrepreneur, or at least a percentage of people. But once I thought of Slutchpreneur, it just stuck and really, really happy I went with that. So that is why I chose Slutchpreneur. Yeah, I have to Google it anytime I email you. <laughs> I have to Google it because I'm just like, oh my God. And then I'm like, oh wow, I'm a really bad speller. 
Who knew? <laughs> well, I'm trying to uh, re not rebrand, but channel uh, Professional Goddess because that's kind of like the sub name. Mm. So um, working on uh, trademarking, all that stuff, because now our dot com's Professional Goddess. That way we can just kind of gear people to spelling that. But it's always an uphill battle as you scale and especially with sex, like how I fuck. I'm sure you can't use fuck in a caption or your uh thing will get your post will get deleted like it's very it's such a sketchy territory you kind of have to use like secret code names when you're writing on the internet so you don't get more mm-hmm. shadow banned mm-hmm. yeah yeah no it's been such a struggle with our with our name because we also mm-hmm. like i you know i use an asterisk as well and it's been so it's been so shitty uh, especially bands. like if you google it you know and then i i porn God, I, <laughs> yeah i read somewhere like just i don't know maybe or maybe i heard somewhere about if you're doing a podcast it's better not to name the titles for your episode titles not to be so similar and my our episode titles are similar because it'd be like how i fuck as a professional dominatrix how i fuck as a professional milf how i fuck as a blind woman you know so but i like that's the thing i wanted to stick with like i wanted to stick with like every episode would be named that but it's also apparently it's not the best thing to do with podcasting but i don't know i've been really stubborn i've been sticking with it sticking with the name how i fuck i don't know i guess i came up with the name because i genuinely wanted to start a podcast about how other people have sex and i was just like well how do people have sex how do how do, how do people fuck how i fuck and like that's just really how i came up with it because i wanted to be like pretty obvious when you read it and also when you read the episode titles like how i fuck as a trans man you know so that's how i came up with that but it's been it's been a bitch really because of the asterisks because um apple podcast hates anything sex especially even with the episode like episode notes like the show notes you know like i'm writing in there that this professional I don't know, dominatrix loves peeing and pegging and all this stuff. So it has all these really raunchy keywords. But yeah, I don't know. People still people still find us. So it's fine. I'm sticking with it. I love that. I actually like that your episodes are all the same, like the how I fuck with and then like as the different ones. I when I was looking through your podcast, I was like, I actually really like this. We did a convo series where it was like convo with a and like relationship anarchist um you know daddy dom like all these things and i liked because for me my like ocdness i like the cohesiveness of it sometimes like when we're titling like just standalone episodes like where it's just her and i and we have to like think of a title and they're all so sporadic and different lengths and mm-hmm. all this stuff I'm, it drives me nuts so i like when it's like uniform as you look down but that's interesting to know that online it says you know that you're not supposed to do that. So that's a good podcasting tip. Well, and side note, I think for our listeners, you know, that's something they don't think about. It's something we have to be extremely strategic with the names of our episodes. Do we number them and put a number um, in the title? Uh, Our descriptions Mm -hmm. not, you know, it's just so many layers when you're recording and presenting your work that you have to so much detail, um, especially in a sex space. So I think that's something really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Even when you share on social media as well, like social media, I think, I mean, I haven't come across, I haven't been in a situation where, I don't know, Apple or something has pulled an episode down. Like that's never happened, but I've been a couple times our content on social media has been pulled down. So that's the other thing too, is that if I'm going to be promoting this on Twitter and Instagram, like how best to, you know, like how should I write that caption without being like, I think our, our last episode was, I spoke to a professional male dom. And I like just was very vague with my caption of just like, 
in his field and his career in his work and stuff and like of pleasure and like just just using words like that I can't be that explicit on there unfortunately so double teamed I, I have a hint that it's double because there's two of you Yes, um, <laughs> but it is a play on words. Like, I really hope people don't think it, that like, we double team. Yeah, the people all the time, they're like, so why'd you name a double team if you guys have never like done anything together? And I'm like, because it's supposed to be funny. Okay, for, let's backtrack a little bit. Our friend who he's a producer for about three other podcasts, really big podcast too. He actually named our podcast. He so, was like, yeah. hey, here's an editor you should use. Because we, t- he told us, we were telling him our story. He was like, you need to start a podcast on this. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. Well, and then he, was like, he was like, here are the tools you need. <laughs> and we're like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll do it. But he was like, he sent an introduction email to our now editor. And he was like, hey, this is double teamed. And we're like, okay, we're sticking with it. This is what we're going with. And I liked it. It's better than what I originally thought of, which was like something stupid like Tinder Tales. I don't remember, which doesn't even have anything to do with like really what we talk about. But yeah, all the time people are like, so you guys do stuff together? And I'm like, nope, absolutely not. That's just the name because it's funny. Yeah. And if you Google double teen, what comes up is that stupid Disney Channel movie from about 10 years ago. (laughs) about the Wait, twin sisters that played basketball so oh my god oh. forever yeah well I, I think what's great is we all have eyebrow raising podcasts and it does something to people's brain it's like when you turn on porn like that feeling in your brain like you're doing something wrong yeah and i think getting like psychologically reading something that does that's really important like tinder tales is kind of like dragon tales but double team <laughs> you're like wait what confused and then you get talking and then all of a sudden they're subscribed to your podcast so i think it's great embrace yeah. it love it no i do love the name of all three of these though i will admit as well that i c- could not spell slutrepreneur it took me like a couple <laughs> tries fuck. to be like slutrepreneur slutrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a dumbass, but it's okay. Here we are. Okay. <laughs> I Wait, do love it though. So what our podcast is and why we started it. So that's the main question. Let's get into it. Did you want to start first? All right. I'd love to. Um, I started a sex shop called The Horny Stoner. And the first week we had our Instagram account, using the word horny in a caption, they had just done an algorithm switch. And if you had used horny plus another sex word in the caption, it would strip you from posting for three days. So literally made like our one of our first few posts and it got flagged and I was like, fucking great. Like I start something and this is the way we're going to start it. And I was really pissed off about it. And then there were a few other local sex positive brands that the same thing was happening. And we were trying to like group chat as to, you know, what we had to do to start really censoring our words. God, I can't even remember what year I started the show. It was like when podcasts were really up and coming and I knew like I had to get on it because if I didn't do it now, I'd regret it later. Just kind of like with YouTube, if you start now, you have like a tiny percentage chance to being successful so I thought you know what I'm fucking pissed I want to talk about it so I grabbed my phone I recorded a little intro I didn't even know what the name of the show was going to be but it was it was just kind of this fire I had and I had to exert it somewhere so it's literally what made me feel passionate enough to start just kind of 
a safe space where I knew I wouldn't be censored to talk about the frustrations of entrepreneurship and, you know, sex positive stuff and just feeling like I had duct tape over my mouth and I wanted to, I wanted someone to listen. I, I knew in my heart I could spark some sort of change. So it was definitely non-intentional, no business plan, just like the rest of my businesses. <laughs> and it, it just works. So that's, that's how I started mine. I think that's the best way. Let it flow organically. Let it just happen. Yeah, like our periods. Yes. Let the universe just <laughs> that natural non bleed it out. <laughs> Let there be blood. Oh, I know. Okay. I like that. I like that. How I fuck. How did you start to fuck? <laughs> on the microphone. <laughs> to fuck on the microphone. <laughs> Well, I wanted to start a podcast for a while. I was actually a video producer for about five years and I wanted to make the switch to audio, but I wanted to start my own thing. And at first I was like, I'm going to do a podcast on like immigration uh, because I'm like first gen. And then I was like, this is really hard. And then one day I was uh, researching sex topics for like a job. And uh, I came across this article about this woman who is like a sex coach for people, for like little people, people with dwarfism. Hmm. And apparently, like, people with dwarfism, like, their arms are, uh, a lot of them, their arms are too short to reach their genitalia. So they need toys. Like, it's hard for them to, like, masturbate. And, like, they have, um, some of them have a lot of hip problems. So they can't really straddle. They can't really be on top. So they're, like, pillow queens, pretty much. And I had never thought of that. I was, like, I've never, yeah. And then, I don't know, I just started thinking about how everyone has sex. Like, I was, like, walking, like, I would walk to my work and then see, like, a homeless person on a bench and be, like, do they have sex? Do they have a sex life? Like, where do, where do they fuck? But, yeah, I couldn't get the idea out of my head. And then I was just, like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And so I came up with, like, a list of, like, people I wanted to talk to. Like, I was just, like, how do how does, like, a trans woman who is taking, like, hormones and stuff, like, how do they have sex? And how does that? But I also wanted to, I also wanted to explore, like, I don't know, like, so, like, basically, pretty much, like, I think our episodes are kind of, like, sex biographies pretty much it's like they're telling us their their life but in the sex lens so i'm like retelling their story of just like their relationship with sex like during this time compare that to like what they're into now like say like they're a sex worker like we interviewed uh she like she's kind of like a professional milf like pretty much she's a adult performer but her like her thing really that she's known for is being a milf so that's like most of her content so like compare that to like at the beginning of her like sex journey when she was only sleeping like with one person her husband who was like abusive you know what i mean so like Mm -hmm. i just i like to hear those kind of stories where it's like what was it like before and then compared to now that you're into all this kinky shit or maybe you're a sex worker or you know whatever but yeah that's really that's really how i got started was because i was like i want to be a podcast producer i want to make my own thing what do i think um what what am I wondering about? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm really thinking about how other people have sex, how other people fuck. That is profoundly deep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that touched me. I was like, I love it because you're giving them a voice. And I think that's really cool, especially since, you know, like when you mentioned about the people with dwarfism, you know, I never thought of that. If they can't reach, you know, um, their parts and whatnot and needing the like assistance of toys. So I think that's really cool. I don't know. I mean, humans in general we want to know how other people fuck and i think like it kind of comes back to like why people tune into these kind of things how do entrepreneurs fuck how do other people fuck how do people in non-monogamy relationships fuck like all these things just because you know we only have our own experiences in sex so seeing other people's that's kind of how we're like oh that's one way it can be done 
and so forth. And sex sells. Yeah. I think we all know that. <laughs> I mean, so. yeah, yeah. I was like, this is my first podcast. So I think like sex, yeah, sex sells. So I think this, this is probably a good idea. I mean, other than the, obviously the fact that like, you know, censorship and stuff like that with like Apple podcasts, or maybe it's not as Googleable, you know, but like, yeah, sex sells. So I was like, I think like there is an interest for that and it's shown. So I'm glad I, I, I made that gamble. Just the fact that you're normalizing something that, again, like sex isn't taught in school, but especially taboo things. I recently interviewed a sex worker who worked with a lot of disabled clients. And when she explained to me different ways she approached that, it just blew my mind and it made me feel a comfort in that community that there are people that care and are educational about it and don't make you know, like a mockery out of it. So I I think it's really important. And that's awesome. I mean, it kind of reminds me like at least, you know, in part in why we started this podcast, because like whenever I, whenever I entered my non-monogamous relationship, like with my husband, when we opened our marriage, like, A, I didn't really like in the very beginning, I didn't do a whole lot of research. And when I did start doing research, like when you Google, like there's really, it doesn't really show you much. Like I literally Googled Mm -hmm. podcasts about non-monogamy and like nothing came up. And then I was like, podcast about swinging and like a couple came up and things like that. And so like, even when you Google some of these things, they don't necessarily always come up. So, you know, that was one of the reasons why I was like, the ones that I did find were all kind of by like older people or, you know, just kind of like different demographics. And I was like, well, I feel like, you know, my age range isn't totally represented. And so I kind of like wanted to add to it. But yeah, that was one of the reasons is like, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot of information out there, or at least there wasn't a way to find that information unless you really knew what you were looking for. And I didn't really know what I was looking for until I went on Reddit and found like, um, like there's the swingers subreddit, there's the non-monogamy subreddit, polyamory subreddit, and people would be like, oh, go, you know, find podcasts and books. And then people would be like, well, what podcasts and books? Like, we don't know. And then other people would chime in and like list some. And then that's how you actually started finding what the sources were out there. So I don't know why they're, you know, when it comes to like resources about sex and whatnot, like I said, unless you really know what you're looking for, they're very hard to find. And so I think the more that, you know, sex podcasts and sex positive brands and, books and things like that put themselves out there the the better it is for people to find these resources otherwise you really just don't know how to look until you know what to look for so that's my take on it that's part of the reason why we started this one so yeah how old are you two 28 okay so I'm so tr- i think i'm 28 yeah <laughs> <laughs> how does uh how does your husband feel about you starting this oh he loved it he um big supporter of it I don't know. He's always been a big supporter of like everything that I do. Is your husband attracted to your twin? No, no, no. no. I don't think no. so. He sees her like a sister. That cracks me up. That is my brother. Yeah. Like I feel like, I don't know how to explain it, but anytime like one of us has been with someone, immediately the other's like, that's like my brother. It's like a switch, it's like a like. Even if they're attractive, I'm like, nope. But yeah, so my. great question. <laughs> he definitely sees her <laughs> as like a sister figure. But yeah, he loved that we started the podcast. He was definitely kind of like, I'll support you, but I'm not going to be on the show. He was like, y'all two got this. I'll just clap on. What the What about sidelines. boundaries as far as what you talk about, like about him? Because my my partner's been on my show. Um, but uh-huh. We definitely 
I don't think he knows how much I talk about him. <laughs> well, he listens. He's not to- on social media. Oh, okay. That's cool though that you guys did an episode together. He listens. Well, we and- did how we how we met, which was at the strip club, and I felt that was important to like my story. Yeah. Um, so we did like a sh- going to the strip club as a couple tips, which was really uh, fun. I to love do, that. So I'm gonna. That's a great episode idea because I remember the first time I ever went to a strip club with my husband it was actually the first time I went with my husband was with me my husband and his girlfriend um so that was interesting because I was like I don't know how to act but I was just sitting there like enjoying mm-hmm. myself while <laughs> watching what was going on like it wasn't that yeah, different, no one no one that. teaches you what to do <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing like I mean I feel in anything sex related like no one really teaches you so that's why you mm-hmm. have to kind of like crowdsource from other people like what do y'all do that's how you do it okay i'll I'll give that a try and let you know like my first strip club experience was actually at um 11 in miami and i felt i have a hat from there i love 11 it's a great place it's so fun but i hated it because this one guy was you know how there's like the different platforms for the girls to stand on and dance Mm -hmm. one guy went like next to the platform and then started throwing the bills on the floor rather than on them and i was like how rude so i'm over here like picking up all the money for them (laughs) and putting it on the platform and i'm like as you should yeah and i'm like how how did dudes do this like that is so disrespectful and then not that long after i went to a club in a strip club in vegas and I was very happy to see people were throwing the money on the stage, actually, not right beside it. I love Eleven, but that makes no sense. Yeah. No, I know. I felt the money so goes bad. everywhere. The money never goes on the stage. I'm I like, felt so bad. I was like, I got you. Babe. If there's not any fuckery happening at a strip club, then something's wrong. That's true. That's true. First strip club I went to was in Alaska. It was called Alaskan Bush Company. What? Um, no joke. No joke. <laughs> And my, I went with my coworkers. They were all like, hey, we're going to go to a brewery. And I'm like, okay, cool. What's it called? They're like Alaskan Bush Co. And I'm like, okay, awesome. I was thinking, you know, like Anheuser-Busch or whatever that brand is. Yeah. I was like, that's what it's going to be like. We walk in, full nude strip club. And I was like, dear God, this is my coworkers too. I had to watch two of my coworkers get lap dances. Anyways. Okay. But was it I really digress. cold? Because I just, strip. when you said strip club in Alaska, I'm thinking it's freezing. Oh, right? It was freezing. It was. It was like February. No, it was March. But inside it was warm. So That's I could good. never live in Alaska. No. All right. If we want to move on to this next question, I'm really excited to hear y'all's responses about this one. So what our sex life was like before we started the podcast and maybe after My sex life has always just kind of been open-ended. Like, I'm very open, so nothing ever changed as far as that. I think it's the educational aspect, especially having dominatrixes, trans people, escorts, all sorts of things. It's, It's helped me gain a lot more respect about the community, and I think that's what I take away more than bringing my podcast like into the bedroom, eye opening for me in in corners I've never explored. I wouldn't say like it's made my sex life like better or worse. Has it opened you to the idea of sex work if you have or have not done it? Well, I am a sex worker. I've been a cam model. I'm in the 1% on OnlyFans. Oh, I don't know about OnlyFans. 
Oh, thank you. Uh, yes, Rebecca Blue is my alias there. So I think, you know, honestly, now that I think about it, I think it's really just brought more confidence in the bedroom. I've recently, in the start of the new year, been a lot more comfortable being like a Humpty Dumpty in the bedroom. Like, I am humping. <laughs> like, I used, here's the thing. I used to try to be as pretty as I could be while having sex. I think we all kind of do. Like, you know, arch your back. Like, throw your head back and whatnot. But, you know, we've been together for like a decade and now I'm walking into the next decade of like not giving a fuck about how I feel and focusing on how long I can hold my orgasm. So I think the show is so empowering and the fact that my confidence is contagious. I think it's just brought a lot more rawness into the bedroom, which is it's mind blowing. I've been I think just a lot more more comfortable now that I'm like so comfortable talking to hundreds of thousands of people that I don't even know. So I don't know. In my personal life, I'm a little like I don't put my personal life out too much on the Internet. So it's like my sacred thing. It's the only thing I have left since I give everything else to my community. So behind the scenes, I'm I'm having ugly sex and I love it. My orgasms are better. <laughs> I love that. I love nothing more than when I get to, you know, hair not washed in a week. I don't know if I've, you know, I, I don't know if I've showered in the day. I just got back from the gym and I'm like having yes. like dirty sex. Post hot yoga sex. Yes. Yeah, like maybe I don't look <laughs> Barbie. Yeah. yeah like a, yeah, a little Barbie disheveled. doll, but having great sex so i mean it's not like i interview dominatrixes and then all of a sudden like i have my whip out or you know i interview someone who's in an open relationship and all of a sudden i'm like we're gonna go fuck everybody like it's it's definitely people think when you are a sex worker or have a sex podcast that you were just a fucking freak and i'm a lot more like i love my missionary like it's great <laughs> you know i just because i love to talk about sex doesn't mean i'm like some horny fucking rat roaming around <laughs> you know it's it's exhausting being an influencer as it is so it's nice to just come home on the couch like we love masturbating next to each other it's just love simple that. you get your good oh i'm just not as fucking crazy as people think i am you made a distinction there when you answered the question that I hadn't realized up until um, this point. I don't know why I just randomly thought of this, but like <laughs> when I had asked about sex work, I guess my mind went more to like escorts, like those types of things where like I never like only fans and, and like the cam girls, I guess because like maybe it's not as much of like a physical aspect. I hadn't kind of grouped them in that same category. And I'm like, well, why hadn't I? So I thought that was- Well, I'd love to yeah. jump in. I think virtual sex work, the point is that your customer is getting sexual gratification, whether it's physically or virtually. Mm -hmm. So giving up some pussy in person or putting an iPhone inside your pussy, there's some similar aspects, but there's definitely, it's a privilege to do sex work from home because- escorts, prostitutes, whatever you call them, they are the ones who've paved the way for us to have that privilege. I love that. Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought of, yeah, like I said, whenever I asked that question and you had answered, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's sex work too. And just something I hadn't really thought about. Well, thank you for bringing that up. It's important. Yeah, I know people that do OnlyFans and, and stuff like that. And I never looked at them like in that light and I see it now. And like, it's, I don't know, I, I like what you said about how prostitutes and escorts kind of paved the way for it yeah they went to jail for us they lost their families for us they 
you know, their pimps fucking killed them for us. It's it's something that definitely needs to be talked about more. I think there's a lot of one percenters that are like, ooh, I make a million a year and ha ha ha. Like, I don't know. They're definitely, I, I think even for me, I, I have a book about how to sell like your dirty panties to people. And yeah, it looks easy, but you need so much fucking motivation and perseverance. Like you can't teach hustle. You're born with it or you're not. So I, I try to normalize that too. Like, look, you can buy my book. It gives you the recipe, but ultimately you have to bake the fucking cake. And if you don't want to, if you want to sit on the couch and not bake it, don't yell at me. <laughs> Spoken like a true slutrepreneur. Yeah. I'm sensing a lot of heavy Capricorn energy from you. The monetization. Oh, baby, I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio. Okay, but have you done your full chart? Because like we could, you know, you might have Capricorn in the tenth house. You might have, you know, some heavy placements. I literally in have my chart right here. Oh my god! Please send it to me. I want to take a look at it. We're a heavy oh, cool. Scorpio energy too. Um, so Love I don't. That. I'm not afraid of Scorpios. I've had guys that are like, "I'm a Scorpio. Is that mm. a deal breaker?" I'm like, "Nah, baby, come here." I'm like, <laughs> oh, "Punch me in the face." <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, what's your sign? <laughs> I'm Sagittarius, but I'm on the cusp, so I'm Sagittarius. Cool. I'm like the day that Scorpio ends and Sagittarius starts. Oh. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah, <laughs> I did my chart. I don't remember it, but like, I know that I do. Oh my god, I sound so okay. The you have your main horoscope right and then what's the second so you have your 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 suns and your moons those are kind of important okay suns is um sun is sagittarius moon is capricorn oh capricorn sag cap scorp energy yeah Yeah. love it i wonder what your rising is you'll have to know the birth time for that so natalie has your sex life changed any since your pod uh, I think not so much. Well, okay. So I actually was never into toys. Oh. Um, that was just oh. never my thing. I was never into toys. I'm like a very, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of a selfish partner. So the thing with me is that this is how I just, I've described my relationship with sex. And um, I feel like partners I've been with have been annoyed by this is that for me, it feels like an itch that I need to scratch off. Like I'll just, I'll just get horny and I'll be like, great, let's go. Let's go fuck. Like pretty much. So I'll just go to my partner and just be like, I'm really horny. Can we, do you have a sec? Let's do this. Fuck me. That's how I I am. That's generally how I am. And it's like, it's kind of, which I think uh, looking back now. So I think working on the podcast, I've like really looked back now and I've just been like, this is probably why I enjoyed one night stands or sleeping with strangers a lot because it was just like the rush of it. Like I also, I also like having sex with like clothes on. I, I just like to, the rush of just like, I feel like we're like, I don't know. We have like 10 minutes until we have to get to class. Let's just fucking do it right here, right now, you know? So I really like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not really one for foreplay, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm not one for foreplay. I can do play after, you know? I, we can like fool around after. But for me, like, I just like, if I'm with, um, if I'm with like a man, I like need the penetration right then, right now. I'm kind of like that. Um, like so I'm not movies. really. Like in the movies, yes, yes. I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if I watch too many movies, but that's how I really like it. So like when I'm with some, oh God, I mean, it's kind of frustrating because with my partners, if they need more time, you know, I do seem a little impatient and stuff because I just, I don't know, I've just always been that way. So that means I've never really been too much of a fan for toys. And I like, it's funny because like I was talking to a friend about like, she was telling me about her toys and I was like, yeah, I mean, I like tried it once 
And, you know, I tried it once, wasn't for me. And then, like, when I really thought about it, I was like, dude, the only time I ever bought a vibrator was in 2014. Like, sex toys have, like, come a long way since that. Like, I tried it once, like, 2014, I bought one, tried it, didn't like it, you know? And I totally gave up on it. And obviously, technology has advanced since then. So, um, hearing everyone on the, our guests, like, talk about their toys and stuff, I, like, it kind of motivated me to get some toys myself. And I found one that, like, I realized I'm not into, like, vibrators. I'm into to like, forgot what you call them, but the tiny ones, that's pretty much just for clitoral stimulation. Like that's what I'm into. Like the wand? Yeah, yeah. So like, that's pretty much what has like, that's really what's changed. And also it kind of made me, I think like with the podcast, it's made me feel not as alone about certain things. It's interesting because like, one of the questions I always ask is like, what was your first experience with yourself? And a lot of like, I'll hear like, five, six, seven years old, or I'll hear like, mostly for women, unfortunately, I'll hear like 18, 20. Like I didn't masturbate until I was like 20. So I've heard that before too. And I've actually been, I've been touching myself since I was six. So Mm -hmm. I always thought that was super fucking weird until I started doing this podcast and hearing from people who are like, yeah, I've also like, you know, masturbated since I was like six. And so I think like it's made me feel less alone and made me feel like, you know, cause like the the way I feel about sex is kind of how I feel about masturbation as well, where it's like, it's literally like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm, I need to go make myself something to eat. I'll just be like, oh, I'm horny. I need to go take care of that. That's just how I am. But yeah, I think that's the only difference really, honestly, is that it makes me feel less alone, but also it just like, it kind of like motivated me to just gift sex toys another another shot. So yeah. We have some great recommendations yeah. for toys. We did a whole episode on toys. Um, I'm sure you do. I, I own love. a sex shop. I have a whole warehouse full of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> and thinking about if you like clitoral stimulation, um, I don't know if you like your G-spot getting hit too, but a rabbit would be great so that, especially the ones that move inside of you. So it's kind of pounding your G-spot while you're vibrating your clit. And since they're kind of like, you know, the skin is the wall between them two, you're going to get like this mega vibration towards each other. And that kind of orgasm can last twice as long as just a clitoral right. one. I'm intrigued. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah, I know. Set us <laughs> Shit, put in a butt plug at the same time, girl. Happy birthday. <laughs> hmm. I had to send I you my address. Tried, I've not tried butt like, plugs. Yeah. Yeah. Use code slut at thehornystoner.com. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, I had to plug myself. Oh, no, it's no. fine. Plug the, away. the ways I <laughs> that's, find. Yeah, that's why we're all here. To plug things in. <laughs> no, I'm a Hitachi queen. First orgasm, 1718 with a Hitachi. I thought I was going to die once I started feeling that warm up feeling. Thought I was going to fucking die and I was kind of okay with it. Sorry, trauma. I'm amazed that your first orgasm was with a Hitachi. That really set the bar high with the Hitachi. I didn't experience a well, Hitachi. Guys, guys would fuck me, and I was like, "Is this what an orgasm is? Great, this sucks. This fucking blows." <laughs> I didn't experience a Hitachi until literally last year. Was the first time I'd ever felt a Hitachi. Well, I I had a Amazon wish list because I was a cam model, so there was an older gentleman that was like, "Have you ever tried a Hitachi?" So that's exactly how I got it. But I never, I never was really aroused down there by using my fingers and I have to use a Hitachi which is like putting a a fucking motorboat down there like a minor earthquake it's really difficult to go down a level with vibrators it's almost impossible because you are just freezing your clit nerves 
Mm-hmm. No, it's which true. they regenerate and come back, but yeah, and they yeah they definitely do. But I agree because my doms have a Hitachi, and we use that more often than not. And now, like when I use my, if I ever try to use my fingers, like if I don't have any tools, and I just like, all right, let's give these a shot. Like it does not work. I'm like, okay, or it takes an hour. It, exactly. Which who has the time for that? But I was laughing because earlier today I was coming home from, I was with a guy, and he had a Theragun. And his friend was in town and was like using the Theragun. And I'm like, oh, you can use, you know, I'm like, you can use those as a Is it like a massage gun? Yeah. Yeah. The really. So I did that and it created this like pain in my uterus once. It was like I almost cramped myself out. So I haven't done that again. I only did it it once. Quite amazing. And it wasn't too bad. So, but I was like, yeah, you can definitely use it as a sex toy. Which I, mm-hmm. I saw a whole article on it recently, too, where they were like, the Theragun's practically a sex toy. And I'm like, it is. Any massager, 100%. Absolutely. Which, I mean, the Hitachi was actually originally yeah. marketed as... Or back massage. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, kids were in the shower using the shower head. I mean, humping their couch. I had no idea. I mean, I grew up very, you know, religious and whatnot. So, I think any of that was just like, bad Satan. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I think the... First thing I ever used I were my fingers, but my um, my friend, because I was like really sexual when, in my teens, like when I was 16, 17, I was the first one in my friend group to have sex and all of that. So they all saw me as like the super hypersexual one. So for Christmas, one of my friends got me like the little tiny bullet vibrator and I got so mad and I don't know why I got mad. Like I think back then it was because I was like, I was still coming to like accept my sexuality and like how sexual it was I was. Probably was, felt like yeah. slut shamed a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And so when she gave that to me, I was like so offended by it. But then like I used it all the time and it was like fucking amazing. And then I was like, oh my God, where has this been my whole life? <laughs> I'm like, this is what an orgasm is <laughs> supposed to feel like. And then when I, you know, upgraded to like a wand or um you know, something more than yeah, there's no going back now, sadly. So but I think I have my wand like right here <laughs> it's, it's in hands reach look how fucking nasty this is when you take off can you see how yellow the head is <laughs> yeah oh, it's like probably has molded so i have like this pink little cover i put on it but i've had this thing for a decade they barely make them um with cords anymore they have like the cordless ones and they're just not as powerful yeah uh, but this this is the ride or die if it ever dies i will die with it You'd be devastated. I could see that. Do they stop making those? <laughs> they're, I think they're hard to find, like the original ones that were made. I just think they make them differently now. I think they're branded differently. So get on eBay. Try to find a original. Would you ever buy a used sex toy? Well, you'd find one that's still new in box. That you couldn't new sell bo- okay. a used one on eBay. That would violate their terms. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, my, are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, if you, I mean, I'm the queen of like selling socks and panties. You can't do that shit on eBay, uh, Marketplace, anywhere. You got to go to the undergrounds. Teach me your ways. Do the under- well, listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a book too. I feel like I'm learning so much. I'm trying to think if the pod has changed my sex life in any way. Like, I'll answer this first because my, my I, would, I feel like my answer is very simple. Actually, Wait, are you the older twin? I am. She is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said, I'll answer this first. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Believe, believe me when I say she she is the, <laughs> the leader. Uh, yeah. yeah. There was a reason 
that I, I have a very sub energy even throughout my day to day. So Nicole tends oh. to lead the pack. I'm the um, so Omega. is Nicole Dom energy. I'm a switch, so I'm both. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, both dominant and submissive. But I would say with the pod, like that's before I was actually engaged right before 2021 started. And we started the pod in June, but January 2021 was right when I ended my engagement and we broke up. And I went into my, what I call ho phase 2.0, which is lovely. And then once we started the podcast, like, I don't know, I feel like it was very vulnerable for me, like talking about my sex life, but it also tended to be a lot of fun. And it actually made me think, more about like my past experiences with mm. sex and how I want to, well, A, I also like accepted and started to explore my sub side. And then B, the more, you know, we talked about sex and the more we learned about it through the podcast, the more I was like, okay, well, this is how I've done it in the past and this is how I want to do it moving forward. So, you know, try new things. I went to a sex party and tried playing with women just to see like what it would be like. So things like that. And now moving forward, like I, I think I have a clearer picture on what I want my sex life to look like, which probably won't include like sexual monogamy. I would like to be sexually non-monogamous moving forward in the future. I would say for me at least, because we were non-monogamous for a while, and then when I started the pod was right around the time that we kind of like reopened because I mean, a lot of people took a COVID break and we were home. So like we didn't really like explore much of non-monogamy during the pandemic. So we like opened back up and then I started the podcast. So it was like very congruent with like a time that was also very explorative for me. And so, you know, similar to Kimi's experience, I also went into more like just experiences to see like, okay, what is this like? You know, because I, I met people that... You know, and we interviewed guests and whatnot that, you know, talked about like a variety of things. And so, you know, some of those made me want to try them more often. Like, you know, for example, when we interviewed the funny Dom, which he's a daddy Dom on Instagram, just made me more curious about like a daddy Dom little girl dynamic. Or I became more curious about being dominant with men because we did interview miss night eyes and she's a switch as well like me so i don't know i feel like our guests in a way have like all made me want to explore new things and like i take away things from those episodes that i want to like apply to my sex life so i feel like i was already exploring quite a bit which i talked about on the podcast but then like the more i learned as i was like doing research for the podcast and doing and like you know talking with our guests and everything that's when like everything like just went up tenfold so it like kind of opened my eyes to like even more so and i like hearing like other people's experiences and so like i'm definitely a voyeur i definitely like to watch and like see you know how people do things you know similar to like the how i fuck and so like that's kind of how i learn and so that's what i've been applying to my sex life so i i feel like you had a fantastic sex life in 2021 i did absolutely and i i think a lot of that was fueled by the pod just because like it made me realize like okay yeah, I want to try some like new things and see how it goes and it all like a whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I had really positive experiences world. with it. 
So, oh my yeah. God, I want to go to a sex party so bad, but I live in the swamplands of North Carolina, so I'm not trying to fuck some like fat trucker. I, I have this fantasy. I think when I was a stripper, I loved people watching me be sexual, so I would love anyone and everyone to watch me fuck. It turns me the, oh my God, sorry. Oh, so you're an exhibitionist. <laughs> Yes. Love that. But haven't been to a sex party. Sex parties, I think, should be an experience that everyone should give a try at some point in their lives. Just because, like, it just kind of, like, reminds me about the premise of your show, Natalie. I'm just, like, everyone needs to go see how other people fuck so then they can just, like, learn. Because it's a great way to be like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll give that a try. And you can give it a try there with someone if you want. Or you can just be like, we're going to tuck that away and try it at home with people that we you know with your partner or like people that you know and love so like i'm a huge advocate for like everyone going to sex parties so i mean do you you don't get tested at the door though is it just like use condoms mm-hmm. everyone uses condoms and i mean everyone's like all right at least the ones that i've been to yeah safety is definitely a thing there but i usually like to get tested after as well but i of all the sex parties i've been to i've only ever had sex at two of them because i was watching yeah i just like i prefer to go to watch and and see and just kind of explore and mingle and whatnot um but i sometimes i just need a little bit more of like a familiarity and there's not enough mm-hmm. time sometimes there to like talk, you know, and like really get to know someone. So I don't know, but we'll see I this love, next uh, one. Gl- glory hole porn. <laughs> I've never, <laughs> I've never watched that. Maybe I need to give it a try. I think I watched one go. once. I was like, this is interesting. The first sex party I went to had a glory hole. Mm, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. What is it? What is it like going to a sex party? You two together. Uh, Ooh. so we big, just, whoa <laughs> yeah i just like so you guys like make sure not to run into each other like you're like i'm gonna take this side of the <laughs> or house you're like, and you take the other side of the house and then everyone's like wait didn't i just have sex in front of you like <laughs> five minutes ago does it get confusing like. for people yeah well and, and that's the thing oh it's God. like we're not gonna do things together people that you know they get ideas we're like no if nikki you know we we keep track of each other there's that twin sense, you know? Yeah. So it's like, we know to like, if, even if I just see her out of the corner of my eye doing something that I think is sexual, I'm like, I want to go the other way. <laughs> I'm not like weirded out by it, but I'll just be like, oh, got to go different direction. Yep. Like, let her have her fun, you know? Hey, bitch. Bye, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Precisely. But that's essentially what it's like. It, it, we just, we keep to different, you know, sides of the... And usually they're pretty big houses. Yeah, yeah. there's enough room. There's enough room. Mm-hmm. Wait, are y'all's vaginas look the same? Our bodies look exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same. Head to toe. We got the same Whoa. tits from the same doctor. Same yep. shoe size, yep. same bra size. Yep. It's like Just copy and paste. everything is the exact, yeah, literally copy, copy and paste. paste. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and that's why like I, you know, if anyone ever gets curious or like, oh, I wonder what your twin looks like. It's like me. Yeah, I'm like, you're literally, Me yeah. with a different face. <laughs> slightly different yeah did you guys you know how people ask you if um because of the name of your podcast if you guys do things together do people ask you that a lot before your podcast um yes yeah we still got that question yeah. a lot before the pod too people really fetishize twins, twins. yeah and it's like it is what still situation incest. would you like what situation would you be in where you would consider um 
getting double teamed. Fucking Diplo. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and you've obviously given it a lot of thought. If <laughs> Diplo, really the DJ, was like, if you're oh. listening, Diplo, please give us a call. Hit us up. I'm you're already the in your person. DM. He is literally oh the only, like, and I, and I know this because one time I remember Kimi was like, is there anyone? And immediately we're both like Diplo. I don't know why, but yeah. He just gives off such a daddy energy. I'm like, I don't care who was in the room. If it was Nicole right next to you and she was doing things too, I would still be excited. I'd probably just like close my eyes and like, ignore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the only person. But thank you for asking. I've actually always wanted to answer that question. So I appreciate that. Have you guys ever been in a situation where like, I don't know, was someone you were dating started like hinting that they wanted to do something like that? And you're like, oh, well, shit, red flag. I'm leaving all the time. Yeah, I've I've had a few partners that I, I had one suggest a threesome with the two of us. And I was like. I take it as very disrespectful when someone asks me that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. Especially if it's someone I'm dating. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, if you... Is it something like you have to say before you kind of meet? Like, hey, I have a twin. Don't fucking ask to double team us. Pretty much. I'm like, I have a twin sister. And immediately I'll usually be like, and no, we don't do anything together. And they're like, oh. Well, and I was going to ask me, <laughs> you can't, the, the, she's not going to want to touch you. So don't no, get excited. It just gets, yeah. yeah it's and it's awesome. like when, you yeah. know, when we're on the apps at the same time and we match with the same dude, usually we'll be like, okay, you pick one or the other. This yeah. is not a lucky number situation. <laughs> and whoever you pick, like the other's out of the question. Like, peace out. Do you put in your bio that your twin is on the app? Yes. Like, heads up, my, <laughs> you might have seen me already because my twin's on here. Yeah, I oh I think on my Bumble profile I was like, if you've matched with my twin, please swipe left. We don't share. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. See, I look in the mirror and I like I get turned on. Like I'd fuck myself. So if I like no, not trying to be like incest, but that would be like a weird thing to like have a copy of me. If that makes sense. I love that you say that because I'm the same way. Like when I look in the mirror. <laughs> No, it's true. When I look in the mirror, like I get really turned on. And like, I definitely like can appreciate that. I think Cammie's like one of the most beautiful things on this earth. You know, I, I definitely recognize like the her beauty and like sexiness and everything. But it's still one of those things where it's like, she's like my other half. So it's like an extension yeah. of me. So it's very it's, I, like, I don't know. It's it's like weird, but that makes um, sense. But yeah, but I'm the same way. I don't know. Is that is that maybe like a common theme in in people who host sex podcasts? They like have this like you turn sense. yourself on yeah like i'm curious because i definitely it's have probably that. a confidence thing yeah yeah i think if you're willing a to like talk about your sex life that comes with a lot of confidence no it does mm-hmm. let's say yeah that question actually reminded me of something that i'm curious about have you guys had like like i don't know if you have like friends or family that listen to like your podcast but has that like either caused like awkward conversations or like have friends like been more like flirty with you because when we opened up as non-monogamous like one of our things was like we'll never have sex with friends like friends are off the table and we're and that's like always been a boundary for us and then well, I f- wait i would say you have two different groups of friends the friends you'd fuck and the friends you'd never fuck. Yeah, yeah yeah and those are like yeah absolutely and so like the friends we'd never fuck like those stay in that group but i feel like ever since we started like the podcast like friends that are like friends 
friends of friends, like kind of like acquaintances and such, like suddenly get like very flirty and they like think, you know, like, oh, just because I'm like super open about my sexuality that like I'll just fuck anyone. And, you know, they're suddenly on the table and I'm like, no. Or I mean, it's definitely like, then people like friends yeah i'm pretty open with my friends about my sex life but you know still they learn things about me and they're like oh i didn't know about like that side of you and so like i don't know it just sparked a lot of very interesting conversations with people i know so i'm curious about y'all's experiences with it i don't really talk about my sex life on my podcast because i'm interviewing people about their sex life i will say that i think like my guests are i like i suspect my guests are a little surprised when they get on like the call with me because I think they're expecting me to just be, I don't know, like I'm pretty, like I'm, I'm monogamous. I tried, I opened a relationship once a while ago. Um, didn't work out for me. So there's that. I'm not really kinky. Like I explained, like, I'm just like, <laughs> like my, I don't know, my approach to sex is pretty different from like my guests. Um, I will say that like, I think some of my guests, if I'm like trying to book someone, like they think that, I don't know. I mean, like, for example, like I had this situation with like, um, I was trying to find someone to do an episode about having a micropenis. Fuck. Like that was so hard to find. It was so hard to find someone with a micropenis. And I was like, there's gotta be an adult performer out there who has a micropenis who's showing that off. And I was not able to find someone. Cause like whenever I'm looking for someone and I'm like, there's gotta be an adult performer who is like, you know, representation, I'm representing this, you know, um, you, that's usually um, how sometimes I'll work out while I'll, I'll find someone like that, but not this time. And so I was like on Reddit looking at like small dicks on there and just like trying to see if I can, like, will you be on my show? And so just a couple, I mean, like, I don't know. I just had like that whole experience of trying to find someone for the micro penis episode was just very strange. Cause I think like, because I'm approaching them about like, I want to talk about your dick on the on the pod like well not just about your dick but i want to talk about your sex life and stuff like that you know i mean it would just get kind of weird like i like this this one person that I was pre-interviewing was just like he didn't really have a micro penis really like I, like he said he did i got on the phone with him and then he told like he explained it to me he's like he he tries to make it smaller he can actually push it in and i was just like well that's not a micro penis that's like a magic trick i don't know like that's not that's not what i'm looking for you know but then he still would kind of like text me and still be like i mean like can we still talk even if it's not for the podcast like can we still so i've gotten like i've i've had a couple people who like i've reached out, out to for like interviews who are like guests who i think like they think because i want to talk to them about their sex life that like i want to talk to them like in my free time like i want to get dick pics or i want to like you know like those kind of situations so that's like the closest thing like my friends listen to it but because i'm not really talking about my sex life like they'll listen to it but they i don't think they see me any different i mean i've had a couple friends who've been like yeah it makes me uncomfortable but i wonder why it makes me uncomfortable like i start reflecting why like why the fuck does this make me uncomfortable you know so i've had friends tell me that and in terms of family i have no idea i have a huge family and i doubt any of them listen to it I don't know. I don't know. I think that'd be, yeah, I'm not sure. No one has ever, no one from my family has ever said that they listened to it, but like my dad and my stepmom are pretty proud of it. My stepmom actually just told, like she was at some um, class, like some fitness class and she like ran into people that we knew, like, like they knew, they know me. And so they're like, yeah, Natalie's in podcasting. Like she actually, she in her like day job, but also she has her own podcast and they're like, oh, what's it called? And they're like, how I fuck. And they were like, oh my God, like she's just talking about how she has sex all the time. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 no. She had to like explain it really. Cause they were just a little shocked that like, they thought that, I don't know, that I was on there talking about myself all the time, but that's not the situation. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's just really what it's, it's been like. I think mostly it's just guests who think that I'm like super, 
like that, soliciting like, we can yeah. continue yeah that we can you know like even if i don't interview them they're just like well you must be interested in me somehow you know because you want to talk about my dick or something yeah and i just want to throw out there if vanilla is your game own it hun yeah like, there's nothing wrong with vanilla sex i yeah it is power to yeah, it yeah no <laughs> there's a yeah. reason everybody does it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a reason. No, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, yeah, i am been, like, listening to it and stuff. Like, I never feel like, oh, shit, like, like, I mean, sometimes I feel like, oh, I can maybe try it, but I really, it's just not in my wheelhouse, really. Um, I'm just pretty vanilla, and I'm pretty monogamous. Um, I am bisexual. I do miss women. I miss women a lot. Not gonna lie about that. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means like later on, like I would open my relationship so I can be with women again. That's something that my partner and I kind of talked about at the beginning of our relationship. Cause he actually said like, he was just like, you know, I have a friend who's bi and she was just later on in her marriage. She was just like, I, we need to open this up cause I need to like be with women. And I was like, I was almost like insulted by that. Like, I was just like, no, because like, it's not like, it's not like a different flavor I need to try or like, I don't know. I felt like I was like kind of objectifying women, you know, like I need to, you know, I'm just like, no, like I I, you know, and then after a while, it's just like, okay, no, that, that actually does make sense. It does make sense. So, yeah. Well, I think in, in general, on social media, I am an exaggeration of who I am in real life. So when people meet me and I have a little bit more of like a calm demeanor or that like, you know, I'm a business owner, so it's, it's not all fucking butterflies all the time. So I think that kind of confuses people sometimes just generally but as far as the sex work as far as the podcast I definitely know there's people from high school or people from back home who follow me on OnlyFans and I don't blame them did have one traumatic experience of someone saying that they were just beating around the bush of who they were and kind of taunting me about it on OnlyFans and that kind of kept me up at night a little bit my TikTok account, I have over a million followers. So at Thanksgiving, when my cousins were like, yeah, I saw your TikTok about how you sell toenails to people. And I was just like, ah! you know, it's it's funny. I think people laugh because it makes them uncomfortable. But I'm at this stage in my life where I literally don't give two shits about what people think about me. And I, I kind of like watching and dissecting people who are judging me because it, it really makes me curious as to why. And then I kind of put them in their place when I explain like, oh, sex work is real work. And it's, you know, it's it's an act. It's not like, you know, especially on OnlyFans, it's not necessarily who I am because you are putting out content to sell. It's not authentically you versus the podcast. Um, but my mom, my brother, they've both been on the podcast. They're both super sex positive. And it's funny because at the end of interviewing my mom, I said, hey, mom, by the way, I saw my dirty panties on the internet. What do you think about that? And she's just like, oh, Anna, you've always been an entrepreneur. I'm not surprised. And then my brother at the end of his podcast, I'm like, by the way, I'm one percenter on OnlyFans. And he's like, dear fucking God damn it, whatever. <laughs> as far as my book, there are nudes in the book. So I can't necessarily give a copy to everyone in my family. And that's kind of weird because I do really want to share the book with them. But uh, in my work life, I have employees who I think we had like a Google Drive one time that wasn't organized. And I, I had some of my OnlyFans stuff on there because of my manager, yada, yada. So I definitely uh, moved someone to Charlotte to work for me, or I'm sorry, to Wilmington from Greensboro. And uh, you, you guys probably don't know what these towns are. <laughs> no, I know them. I know Greensboro. Been there. She, um, 
she texted me and was like, um, I think you need to reorganize your drive because I definitely just saw you like spreading your butthole wide open. So there's been some really fun times at work. Wow. <laughs> but I own it. I talk about it. It's literally it's just my body. So at this point, I I have nothing to hide. And I don't know. Life, life's a movie. Be the main character. Show your tits. Make money. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I paid five grand for mine. I'm like, the world should see them. <laughs> it's like my life is like a beautiful clusterfuck sometimes. And it's uh, I love talking about it because a lot of people will never get to experience the the fuckery that I do. I definitely think that when it comes to like, you know, talking about your sex life and being very open with your sexuality, you do get kind of to that level of, you know, I don't give a fuck what people think. And that's, you know, definitely how I got here. You have to. Yeah, you have to. That's how you get there. Yeah. If you, because, well, I just thought about like that time that you said, you know, something that like kept you up at night. The number of times that I've been like, should I say that? Or like, should I cut that out? Or should I say it? And then Mm -hmm. usually I end up like, almost always the route is fuck it i'm just gonna leave it in there like it's just me being like authentically myself but like there, there is always those moments where you're like where you, so, you know or at least i feel like you you occasionally hit those moments where you second guess yourself a little bit and you're like well maybe i should censor myself some and then you're like well why do y'all listen back to your episodes because i don't oh i do I yeah <laughs> I definitely did. By, by the time like it goes out, I've listened to it like three, four, five times. And I'm like, I never want to hear this again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The other day I was editing our most recent episode because I we like to go through, put in our own edits and then send it to our editor. And by the time I was done listening to it, I was like, I ugh, like ripped my hair out of again. my yeah. head. I was like, I'm so frustrated. I've listened to this part 10 times. It's not funny anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Natalie? I listened to it once and I don't ever listen to it again. I just <gasps> listened to it once. Yeah. Because I, because it's there, it's like narration plus like the interview and stuff. And like I put in like original music. So I like sound design, like all that jazz. So I'll listen to it for that purpose of just like, are there any like issues with it? But then I just like never listen to it again. I like never want to listen to my episodes again. Really? Usually, once they're released, I don't listen to them. Again. Yeah, but once during, they're released, I don't even think about it. Anymore. Sometimes I forget we did episodes, yeah. and I'm like, and or I'll people be like, oh, but you said this in another episode, and I'm like, did I? <laughs> totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously, <laughs> are you ever worried about? Um, and maybe this is, I don't, I mean, like, are you ever worried that you're gonna get called out on something? Yes. Like, I think every time I like publish an episode, I'm always like, I'm like, is this the episode where I get like called out on something like someone like well there was an episode where that happened um and i knew that that was going to happen but pretty much any other episode i'm just like did i go too far did i do something did i use the wrong terminology or like what could this offend someone they want us to be vulnerable and authentic but they won't accept when we're human and make mistakes Mm -hmm. can you say that (laughs) one more time Like, roll back a little louder for the people in the back. (sighs) It's you give them everything. And if it's not enough or it's too little, they break you down and and tear you apart. And then everyone around you says not to care. Like, what the fuck? I'm already, I'm here because I care. And I care what my listeners think. And I take what my audience tells me to better myself. So, it all fucking hurts. And you're literally just laying yourself out on the table naked and 
people are just picking and poking at you when you don't even ask them to to. And then you have to act like you don't hear them when you want to hear them. Like it's it's so fucked up on so many levels and no one can relate unless you are in this room right now. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And I mean, in the moments where I'm like, when I'm questioning, like, is something that I'm saying going to rub people the wrong way? Um, I, I always think of like a couple things where that eventually get me to the point of like, well, this is why I don't care. I'm just going to move on. A, you can't please everyone. Like, that's just not going to happen. Not everything you say will be so perfectly worded that every person will agree with it and be like, absolutely, yes. People are going to disagree with you. Like, we don't all see eye to eye on everything. And then B, it's kind of like what you said earlier, like, you know, your friends, it like made them uncomfortable. I'm like, well, do you really have a problem with what I said? Or, you know, is it making you uncomfortable because it's like bringing up an insecurity or something? Yeah, projection, Mm -hmm. something like that. You know, that it's really your issue, not necessarily like something that I said. And see, like, we just, you know, like you were saying, we... We're just being honest and vulnerable, but like we're human. We make mistakes like that's going to happen and we can't say everything perfectly all the time. So yeah, do I worry sometimes that I'll say something and like really upset people? Absolutely. Like, yeah, I don't want to upset anyone. That's like never my intention. I'm just being myself here. But, you know, I I realize that like it's not always going to be received so perfectly, but it's not my job to make sure everyone receives it perfectly. I'm just being honest and it's up to them how they interpret and receive it, so. Well, I'd love to ask Natalie because I'm sure you interview people who like, what's it called? Like daddy, baby girl, or like different kinks that might come to people as like extremely wrong. Like in earlier, we were talking about like incest, but then like there's people who watch videos about like their mom fucking their son or something. Like I think we're already talking about kinks that could be wrong in real life, but we're talking about using them like consensually and safe. And there's this weird gray area of of being like canceled in between that I I try to like navigate those waters. So I feel like as an interviewer, Natalie, like it's kind of easier to not easier, but you just kind of navigate the questions versus maybe popping your opinions in there. I'm I'm curious what your experience is with that. I mean, we did interview, I interviewed Rachel Steele, who like I mentioned earlier, was kind of like a professional MILF. And then so for me, like, I mean, she knows what she's talking about. She's been in the game for a while. I mean, like, I made sure to kind of like ask that question of just like, you know, like this is like what you're kind of promoting is like these scenarios of like incest and stuff. Like, what's your opinion on that? And so she shared that. So like, I made sure to like kind of like ask those questions or address like that, like the maybe the gray area where it's like it could be controversial or like maybe people like have been like uncomfortable because of that. I had um, Buck Angel on the show, actually. And I was... um, which like I got I think that's the only episode where I got a lot of criticism like a lot of people didn't want him on the show who was he so he is uh he is a trans male uh, adult performer he's actually been performing forever and I read I met him on a different job a couple like years ago I met him I actually didn't know he was an adult performer until I went to like his place to go scope out for like a video that we were going to shoot and I saw a bunch of like sex like sex toys he has his own line of sex toys and I was like oh I actually didn't know this about you. So um, I thought he was really incredible. He's like super outgoing and stuff. And like he um, ha- he creates sex toys for like for trans men, really. So, so important. Like, so important. It's so important. Yeah. He has this thing that looks like a beauty blender <gasps> that like you can uh, like trans men can put on their clitoris and just Wait, um, and feel name? like they're jerking off uh, Buck Angel. I've seen that toy. Yeah. So he's great. 
And then I think a year later from following him on Twitter, he's just started, he's a controversial figure. So like, I think a year into like me following him on Instagram and like Twitter, I started noticing that he was really kind of stirring the pot on there. He identifies as transsexual, not transgender. And he does think that there is a difference between people who have gotten surgery and people who have not. So it has really upset transgender people for good reason, for really, really good reason. I just, I wanted to interview him because he has been, he was like one of the first female to male surgeries in Los Angeles. Like back, like he's from West Hollywood. He's from the area. So he was one of the first ones to have that surgery. And he was a sex worker and he was on the streets trying to survive. And so he had such an interesting story and his sex toys I felt like were like super unique and it was addressing a problem like I never even considered like I never thought of yeah. that you know no that's that's so important and as someone who sells sex toys we we get criticism if we talk about dicks and the, using the wrong terms etc because so many of our products can be used for trans people so it's definitely so important to make note of that because that community is it's not normalized to have tools when I feel like they're the community that that desires tools the most in a sense yeah yeah for sure yeah no I totally agree that's why I felt like it was important to talk to him about it I mean obviously I put a disclaimer at the top that like his views are not like views that we've shared and uh, yeah, people were pretty kind of like mad in the comment section that we were giving him a platform, you know, but would I do that again? I'm not exactly sure if I would do that again, you know, because like making these episodes like take a while. But at the same time, I'm so glad that I went ahead and did it because uh, God, I don't know. I mean, like he has an interesting story. He understands the issues. He really, really does. And who knows, like, I'm sure that there are other like trans adult performers who are addressing this. I'm not aware of, but like his way of like telling his story, the things that he has gone through, I like kind of, I push back on there, you know, like I push, like he believes that trans kids should definitely take like a year before they decide, like they should really go to therapy and really, really take a while to decide before they transition. And I kind of like push back with that because I was just like, well, like didn't you tell me that like you um, like try to commit suicide like two or three times because you couldn't take it like you couldn't take being in that body so like what makes you know like then why are you saying that you know trans kids right now should take should take a while before making that decision you know like when you yourself said that you were struggling so hard so hard that you wanted to die so I pushed back in that you know and he and he's very uh he is very welcoming of that he really is. Yeah, th that's important because why would we just sugarcoat everything? Like, I think, A, it, it also intrigues the listener to even like combative conversations. Like, they don't always have to be good. Like, it's like reality show. Like, people want to watch a slow car crash sometimes. So there's definitely something, there's a gain to that. But it's it's also, it's important to have those hard conversations in those thought processes because where else are we going to listen to that? Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's why when I, you know, creators all the time, like you see it on TikTok, too, and, you know, other platforms, everyone, you know, no one wants to get canceled. No one wants to, you know, have like a bad public image or anything like that. And like, yeah, you don't want to be a shitty person or do shitty things. But when it comes to like having conversations that are controversial, you know, you th that's how you get people talking about things that's how you get you know people to stop and like be get introspective with themselves and like okay you know where is my stance on this how do i feel about this how does it affect me how does it affect others how can i change like or you know 
like my viewpoint and all that. So like, I think those conversations are important so that people can like decide for themselves where they, you know, stand on a spectrum. And if they don't stand on the same side as someone else, like that's fine. It doesn't mean that, you know, we all need to, you know, hate each other for it. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's great that you did an episode, you know, even if he was kind of a controversial figure because the whole like, oh, it's giving him a platform. It's like, well, no, like it's just, having a conversation and maybe it will spark some debate and that'll give you an opportunity to think about it. But that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was pretty good practice for, I mean, there's things that I want to explore that I have not like that, like there's guests that I want to interview that I have like, I'm just like maybe one day and like maybe one day in a couple years and people are a little more open to it. I mean, um, I know like for sure that I do want to, you know, like the MILF episode really got me thinking about like, you know, people who are like, like adult babies and stuff like that, or people who are in like daddy daughter kind of like dynamics. And I want to explore that. I want to find guests like that. Something that is extremely taboo. And if you guys want to remove this, like totally fine. But like, I am curious about people who have like, like people who are pretty much pedophiles, but don't act on it. Because there is a community of people like that who are like, I, these are my urges, but I have not done anything about it. And they're like, I've researched on this of just like, of like, whether this is a, like a mental disorder, whether this is something that people like truly like these thoughts and stuff they can't control, but they don't act on it. So like, for me, I'm curious, like what mu- that must be like, yeah, what, the, what must that be like to live through life? having these urges that would endanger someone else and not, you know, not acting out on them. It's completely natural. I saw a documentary of how even older people just have desires to be younger in general. Like we normalize that youth is beauty. So society Mm -hmm. doesn't make it easier. But I had someone buy my panties. I always look up their address when I'm shipping to make sure it'll get there. I Googled the address and it was a guy that literally was on, what's the fucking show called where the cops pretend to be a kid? To catch a predator? Something very similar. Um, The cops did this, found him in a parking lot and arrested him. Um, So he was a pedophile. (laughs) I Googled his address and I was like, oh my God, he's buying my panties. And then I was like, should I be happy that he's safely executing his desires like not in an illegal form because I definitely don't advertise myself as a kid. I'm like tattooed college girl, you know? But it definitely made me think heavily about that scenario. Like, should I applaud him or should I not send this sick man my panties? But I don't see any of my clients as sick because they are consensually getting a service. Um, They're safely doing it. They're not abusing women for free. So when people are like, it's weird, you sell your trash. And I'm like, who are you? Like, I admire this guy who came out of the closet and said he likes to worship trash like and he's helping me pay my bills. Like, fuck you for shitting on him when you probably secretly do some shit that you won't tell anyone about. Like, hello, projection. So definitely, I think that's extremely interesting. And I admire you so much, Natalie, for thinking about these things and putting them on a public form. I love You're it. really thinking outside the box here. I hadn't even considered that. I love that you brought it up. I love this whole topic, honestly, just because like, it makes me think we all have intrusive thoughts. And I remember like reading, mm-hmm. you know, how about a therapist, um, they were like asking a group of therapists, like, what do you wish people knew? 
And it's like that everyone has intrusive thoughts. Like we all have fucked up thoughts about like pushing someone like in front of a train or, you know, like weird sexual things. Like that's normal. It's like what it's like you said, Natalie, whether or not you act on them, that makes a difference. So mm-hmm. like, we you know, when you're talking about like mm-hmm. age play and stuff like that, like in the kink community, age play is one that like a lot of people really struggle with. And so like for the people that are willing to explore it, it's you know kind of a very vulnerable thing especially if you're open about it just because it is one that that a lot of people struggle with because automatically they're like well that's pedophilia like and i remember i was was actually at an orgy once where the girl was like i'm into incest in the sense of like acting out acting it out like pretend you're my brother and like we'll and like in that space so like not actually like having sex with her brother but like with her partner entering like a role play situation and doing that um and so like age play incest and like think how much porn out there is like stepmom stepbrother stepsister like all these weird porn categories why because people have those thoughts when you go to the porn site literally teen is like one of the first categories Mm mm-hmm teen and these girls look like they're literally 12 years old and like it's and they're wearing like fucking baby doll clothes you know like little onesies and pigtails and stuff so people you know it's a it's such hard waters to navigate it is but like your point like what you're saying is like the people are the people who are looking that up people who do desire girls that young and are they choosing then to kind of to um they're they're choosing to then like me to feed that that desire by watching that watching like an older woman who looks young pretend being young as opposed to going out there and hurting an actual young woman exactly that's what i'm saying like i don't i don't think it's wrong to like watch that kind of porn if it gets you off because yeah it's much better than the contrary or like the the acting on and actually doing it so i think i think that's where you know maybe that's what where you draw that line of like human reminds me of this book or this quote from a book it's like does the monster or man and you run deepest and so it's like the monster wants those weird taboo things that should not be done and then the man in you is like this is wrong i'm not going to do it mm-hmm. but let me find an outlet that allows me to explore that safely and without actually letting the monster run free so that's well, how i look at it even with bondage like i I enjoy serial killer documentaries. I'm fascinated by sociopaths, et cetera. So with like sadism, with people getting pleasure from inflicting pain on others, it's again, huge gray area of serial killers actually doing that in person versus people experimenting with bondage. I I think those are kind of on a similar scale. And, you know, when I'm watching these documentaries, shit gets so fucked up and I'm like, dude, I, my mind just gets blown with those concepts sometimes. Well, I mean, I can relate to that in the sense that I, I, there are some kinks I have that are pretty wild, like knife play. I love having a knife dragged along my body, like not actually cutting me, but like dragged along my body in a safe space. Obviously, like I've, I've only yeah. ever let my my two doms do it you know or like even like across like my parts i love how you said my two doms yes bitch (laughs) (laughs) they're a couple it's a male and a female um and then you know i too have like you know i as a switch i can at times be a little bit of a sadist in that i sometimes Mm -hmm. i I do like inflicting that pain but i also see the other Mm -hmm. as the other side of it the other aspect of like 
in receiving that pain as a masochist. I, I like receiving that pain. So I understand like it brings them pleasure. It's a safe space. We have boundaries. We have safe words. We have like, we have a, a structure and a framework to explore this. In the kink world, CNC, which is consensual non-consent, which is basically like rape fantasies mm-hmm. is huge. Everyone's always so curious about it. And, but it's taboo. It's super taboo. Like no one wants to mm-hmm. talk about it because like, oh, as a woman, you're not supposed to like want to be treated that way. And as a man, you shouldn't want to like force yourself onto a woman. Like those things, that's what I'm saying. Right. If you find like, safe I, I outlets, really, yeah. Sorry. Um, I really enjoy um, getting fucked while I'm asleep. And some people I've actually recently heard from a f- someone who was like, yeah, I, you know, the guy I'm with, he just wakes up at 2 a.m. and wants to fuck me. And I'm like literally trying to sleep and it, it bothers me. And, you know, I, I want to tell him to stop. And, you know, in my eyes, I'm like, oh, my God, fuck me all night while I'm asleep. But it's again, just like you said, setting those boundaries. And I told you know, told my guy long ago, like, if you ever have a heart on your sleep, like, by all means, bring it on over. <laughs> um, but again, I think those those boundaries and, and talking about that, especially when it comes to those kind of scenarios. And again, being a woman, you're like, do I need to take his dick for the sake of me really liking him and wanting to be his boyfriend, etc. And you can absolutely say no at any point. You can say no right when it you know mid during i like being a little submissive so i love having a daddy and i mean it's probably very controversial the fact that i like acting like a little child in bed um but i find it very (laughs) fun for me like i i love it i like being like a little daddy's girl when i'm a little fuck toy it's a safe space for your inner child oh it is and you know mm -hmm. sometimes i think about it and i'm like you know like damn that's you know is it fucked up you know like I mentioned it in a, in a recent episode, I uh, hooked up with a surgeon a couple times and he mentioned a scalpel and I was like, immediately turned on. I was like, please bring it next time. He was like, okay. <laughs> like, see, yeah, it's I like mean, those- doctor, patient, <laughs> sc- uh, teacher, student. It's yeah, it's all, it, all the kink play. When it comes to all this stuff, like if there's a consensual safe space for you know people to explore those dark corners of their mind like you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that and i think we should champion for those safe spaces more often than not so yeah if it's stepmom porn you know on Pornhub, then that's better than you like forcing you know yourself on like a family member or something like that so like like i said i always think back to that quote like does the monster or man in you run deepest and like let that man you know, or let the let the human in you take control of that monster and, and find a way to to explore those things and like don't be ashamed of it. I've had a partner all. who really liked um, when I would cry during would, sex. Would really turn him on. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. It it would give him a chance to baby me. <laughs> he really enjoyed that. Yeah, I I think the more people that or the more that people talk about the things that they're into, the more they'd probably realize like it's not so weird. You know, like yeah. a, the girl that at the orgy, like I loved her, her openness and like vulnerability and talking about her kink. She was like, she was like, I like bestiality. And I'm like, 
animals can't consent. She was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to pretend I'm a cat and you're going to pretend you're a human. And I'm like, okay. And so she's like purring. And I'm like, <laughs> see that uh, that's a huge trigger for me. The fact that bestiality porn is on the internet and that it's not legal <gasps> And as an advocate for animal rights. I, I have a, a startup animal rescue. It is extremely triggering to me. I had a friend who told me she was into it and like put peanut butter on herself and stuff and didn't see any harm in it. Maybe someone's listening that does, but it fucking irks me. And I don't like, where is the line drawn? Like, does the law get to create where it's drawn? You know, animals don't have a voice. Um, well, that's you know, what I'm saying. That's not a consenting people space. People have horse cocks and stuff. You know, like if you're using a fake horse cock, like for me, I'm fine with that. But if you're actively going out to like fuck horses or something, like I don't know. <laughs> and that, when it comes to animals, I, I'm i sorry, but that is where I will draw a line. Same. Because Animals can't Wait, consent. What about you, Natalie? What are your thoughts immediately? No, no. Okay. And also when you brought up the <laughs> horse all, thing, all it reminded me of group. that. Yeah, you know about that documentary about that guy who was like the always getting fucked by a horse and it killed him. The horse stick literally Good. killed him. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad. Thank God. Have yeah. y'all seen a horse stick? It's huge. They're massive. <sighs> no, that's what but I'm saying. Also, like, like, but that's what I'm saying. Animals can't consent. So like, that's why they don't even understand mm-hmm. what's going on. I was just gonna say like for her exploring, it was like, she's gonna like role play as like, she's, there's no animals involved. Like she'll role play as the cat and her dude will role play as like the person. Love but that. There, but there's no animals involved. And I'm like, that's the, the yeah. way to do it. Like if you're really into that, that's the way to do it. Don't bring an animal into it because that's not yeah. consensual. But yeah, that's the key there. There's consent. definitely a lot of like cat, cat cosplay stuff going on exactly i i i remember reading a story once about a a girl who would have her dog yeah we can get off this topic (laughs) no but it well it's a broke my heart it just it broke my heart i was like well my friend told me and then i was like dude are you fucking doing that to my dogs like were they ha- house sitting your dog? Had they ever house Yeah, she she was a longtime friend. Just got super drunk and told me like that was her thing, and it I never like mentioned it with her again. Um, but like a year ago, my dog kept licking his balls. I don't know why. Like it was it was a constant thing. So I just did a quick Google. Like my dog won't stop licking his balls. Like and then of course it's like fucking ball dog porn everywhere, and it like. It, it freaked me out so I mean I knew that was real but like seeing kind of imagery of that and you know this whole like farm porn thing and people making money off of it I mean it's just as fucked up as dog fighting is um so it's, it's just something I'm really passionate about is it, it, okay so sex work in general is something that there's not a lot of rights in general you know it's police it's political yeah it, it's just an uphill battle and i feel the exact same way with dogs you know they don't have rights you know euthanize animal abu- abusers that's my whole thing um but but that's all i have to say about it so yeah i would agree with you on that but see that's what i'm saying people are the the key there consent animals can't consent mm-hmm. so like nope. if you're gonna practice Damn right yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna explore the dark corners of your sexuality, of your mind, whatever, like it needs to be in a consenting environment. Well, how Children like how consent. would you safely do that? You know, that, that's another thing. Like, are you gonna watch bestiality porn and when an animal is being abused? You know, yeah. it's a hard concept. No, because I then feel like that right there, they're not consenting by watching it. Yeah, they're not consenting. So it, then there's not, a demand for it. It's not so. ethical. Yeah, yeah. Like if even if you watch it, like there's a demand for it. Then you're adding mm-hmm. to the problem. Exactly. Yeah. 
So how would you like safely execute that dark part in your mind? You know, would you just think about it while you masturbate? A stuffed bear? Yeah, like get a teddy bear. <laughs> or, you know, get a like, flashlight. I don't know. Oh, like, yeah, I was going to say, like, get a flashlight, put it in the teddy bear or something. Yeah, there's there's. <laughs> You know what? You might have just saved an animal's life right there. You know, yeah. you know, the fucked up thing is, and I was like, is this a business model? <laughs> That's yeah. Well, like, I don't know. Uh, sex, like animal sex dolls. I don't know. Is that a thing? Probably. Does that exist Probably. Well, at least they're like, you know. If there's horse cocks, there's more. Yeah, then they're probably just taking it out on a on a pretend animal. So that's better than an actual animal. So that's a like, that's a plus. I, I remember when the whole uh, when um, that news came out about like the sex dolls that were like that looked like children, you know, and people were really upset about that. But I was kind of like, yes, weird. Oh my god, that's terrifying. Sure, but also, is it better that they're you know re- you know relieving themselves on that as opposed to an actual child? Yeah. So. I think this is an, such an important conversation, and I'm actually really proud that we're having this. No, I Even agree, it too. it probably feels extremely weird. And I definitely, yeah. no, <laughs> but we're the people to do it, because we're the this ones. This is a safe space. Is, yeah, A, this is a safe space. B, we're all comfortable, like, I, you know, delving into these topics, because, yeah, when you, when you venture into sexuality, there are dark corners. You know what yeah. I was thinking? You know, one of the things that I've learned since starting a a sex podcast is just the fact that you know people really don't take the time to sit with their sexuality and like think about it in all spectrums and really like process it and you know figure out how they want to move forward with it. why does this turn me on what turns me on those things yeah i think it'd be great if people started like journaling about what what gets them going you know Mm -hmm. Body yeah. map, dissect journal. your porn history. Yeah. Yeah. And like take a look back and just think about like the things that you liked before. I mean, like the my recent guest was like, I was really into my aunt's pantyhose. Like whenever she wore pantyhose, I always wanted to touch it and stuff. And he's like a professional male dom right now. So he was like, I think that kind of spoke these little things when I was a kid, kind of like I mm-hmm. there were like hints, like there are uh, clues that I was gonna be into this stuff, like when I was an adult. Yeah, and it goes into the daddy issues realm. You know, my dad left when I was nine, and now I'm with a guy who's like 44. He's twice my age and fucking turns me on. I love when he treats me like a little shit. <laughs> See, like, I, I think... <laughs> the wine's kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love that. I have daddy issues. I also tend to go for older men, um, and I also have daddy issues, so I can relate on that point. Um, but I don't shame myself for no. it anymore. I'm like, I missed out on that. Now I have it. And it has a massive dick, too. It's great. <laughs> I love that. We're proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, I am, guys. I am thanking the universe for it blessing you in such a way. Um, oh, thank you. Well, you're the one who goes to sex parties, bitch. <laughs> um, Natalie, I'll soon. Gonna- yeah, well, soon. We'll all go. Well, soon, the four soon. of us can go. Right. I say the four soon. of us go. NYC. <laughs> uh, but Natalie, I was going to say, I, I like that you mentioned the the breadcrumbing because I feel like, you know, for him, you know, he, he looked at things that kind of influenced his sexuality from such a young age. And like people forget mm-hmm. like our sexuality start being influenced pretty much by the time we like are able to like process memories and like and have co- like conscious minds you know because 
-hmm. whether we like it or not, like there are going to be things that even as children, you know, like I remember when I was, we were like, what, five or six and grandma fell asleep while we were watching Titanic. Oh yeah. And that scene came on, you know, and everything. And I was like, what's going on? Like, see, that's what I'm saying. Like from a young age, those things start to influence you. And so kind of like Kimmy said, you know, people need to take the time to kind of like look at the things that they remember that kind of like spoke to them or influenced them or like started their sexuality and like really like get introspective with it, get deep, face it and be like, okay, what is this? did I like that? Did I process it? Like, is this something that I want or need? Like all those things. And that's what I hope sex podcasts do is like give people an opportunity to like listen to others, talk about sex, listen to others, share their experiences. You know, like I said, I'm more than happy to talk about all the weird things I'm into because like if someone else is like, oh, I'm kind of into that too. Oh, okay. Like that I hope sex podcasts give people an opportunity to get introspective with themselves after hearing others talk about their experiences. And yeah, at least for me, like that's my goal. I want people to, you know, kind of, I want to inspire people to be more open with their sexuality, take a look at it, really pick it apart and then decide for themselves. Like, this is what I want. This isn't what I want. Same with like monogamy and, and relationship structures and everything. Like if you don't like monogamy, that's fine take a look at non-monogamy. You can give it a try. If you don't like it and you go back to monogamy, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, don't listen to what society says. Decide for yourself what you like, what works for you, all those things. And so, and I'm sure, you know, like your guest with y'all's podcast too. Like, what's wrong with monetizing your sexuality? Absolutely nothing. Sex sells for a reason. Do it. You know, or like, what's wrong? We all sell our bodies in different ways. Mm -hmm. Some of us do it for free. (laughs) Some of us do it for free. Or, you know, like I, I, with all the different interviews on how I fuck, like I really hope people listen to all of them and just like kind mm-hmm. of like take the opportunity to expand their minds about sex. Yeah, that's the goal. I think we all are on a, we all have a similar mission. Yeah. And I love that. Like yeah. I, I truly love that. And, and, and I'm proud to like be alongside podcasts like you guys and, and things just because it, it makes me proud and, and it, I'm happy to see like more people that are willing to be vulnerable so that others can learn because society does a really shitty job at teaching us about sex. I was going to say, we all just like blindly, you know, go with our sexuality. Like, where am I going? Oh, I landed here. Penetration. Yay. Like that's it. (laughs) It's the cycle. Well, I think that leads to our last question of what producing a sex podcast has been like with the high and lows and just this last hard conversation is such a high for me because I can, you know, turn off my mic after this and feel like, wow, I did something good for the world. And that's where I get the highs. The only low for me is not recording enough. It takes such a positive mental health space to sit down and record. And whenever I'm in a low I just can't. I mean, I took like a, I felt like a two month hiatus lately. And it's just, it's difficult to be vulnerable sometimes, even with my YouTube channel. It's hard to be like, hey, welcome back to my YouTube channel. It's just, it takes a whole lot to put yourself on 100%. So I've been kind of doing some different type of episodes where I'm not as happy and jumpy and just, again, being my authentic self. But it's definitely, it's a roller coaster and it's a, a verbal diary, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Even if I get canceled, I will appreciate all the lives that I've changed and all the women that I've helped 
create a whole new side hustle. Um, anyone who it helps explore their sexuality and engaging with other podcast hosts like you guys who are like-minded, uh, sex-positive individuals. We have such a large community that doesn't have a voice. It's a huge responsibility. Um, it's a necessary, and that's that's what I feel like it's been producing a podcast. I love that. Natalie, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I Lowe's, uh, you know, having guests, potential guests, guests be a little creepy with me, you know, also finding people. Um, I'm the more and more creative I get in like, oh, I wonder how this person fucks. Um, the harder it gets to book people, really. Mm. Uh, like I said, the micropenis one, it was very, very hard to book. It really, really was. It got to the point where I was like, should I reach out to people that I've slept with? I was like, no, don't do that. That's unethical. <laughs> don't do that. Don't be like, I remember we hooked up once and you had a micropenis. Would you want to be on the show? Uh, but I think like booking guests is like the hardest part. And then also when guests get a little weird with me outside of the podcast, that also you know, like boundaries, but like definitely a high. I mean, like a couple of days ago, I got a message on Instagram, like someone thanking me for the podcast. Like, thank you so much for having this. Like I've learned so much. I really, really have like I've had a couple of people who like really thanked me for, we did an episode with a throuple. Like they it really helped them. They were like kind of like already having those um, discussions with their partner about opening up their marriage and maybe adding a, a third and stuff. And that was a push that they needed. That's what they told me. So, you know, whenever I get messages like that, I'm like, oh, it's all worth it. You know, I mean, it's all like, you know, to what Anna said about it taking a lot of time. I mean, these, yeah, it takes a lot of time to do these, to book people, to edit all of that. But um, yeah, when I get those messages, it makes it all worth it. I would agree. The At least the lows for Kimi and I for sure have been when, uh, yeah, sometimes we aren't in the mood to record. Um, and so sometimes like I just don't because I'm like, we're going to schedule this to another day because like I can't do it. I can't face, you know, the microphone right now. And it, it is time consuming. And like, that's, that's another thing is like, you really pour your heart and soul into it. And so it takes a lot of time, you know, it's like a second full-time job. And I mean, I don't know how monetized you guys are, but like, you know, we're pretty new. So like, we're not very monetized. And so it's, we put a lot, a lot of heart and just love for it. And, you know, it does make us happy, but it is very time consuming. And sometimes it gets stressful. You know, we took like a month long break during the holidays just because I, I got to a point where I'm like, I just don't want to think about the podcast for like one week. And I told Kimi this. sponsor sponsorships don't want to work with you because you're sex positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so another thing too. And I mean, yeah. you do sometimes face those like social stigmas. You do sometimes have to like really kind of put on a thick skin and understand that like not everyone's going to agree with you. Um, you know, you do really have to kind of like stick up for yourself and be like I'm doing this for me and hopefully it resonates with people and they like it and then when you do see those messages when you do get those fans that are like thank you for this like I love that episode or you know oh my god I thought I was the only one but they you know they connected with you those are the highs that make all of that hard work and the and the the lows worth it so yeah I mean I do it for me because I I love doing it and I get a lot of fulfillment and satisfaction out of it, but I also do it for our listeners who, you know, I call them like, they're like my best friends. Like when things happen that I want to go talk about on the podcast, like to me, it's like going and talking to my best friends about it. So, you know, it's, it's like a fine balance and do, do I hope to make everyone happy with it? Sure. Absolutely. But I know, you know, criticism does and will come, but that's just kind of part of the game. So, yeah. I love how you mentioned, you know, sometimes people get a little creepy. I'm not going to say it's like a low, low. I don't really, you know, sometimes we, you know, you deal with like 
people in the DMs like wanting to send you things and stuff. And I'm like, guys, boundaries, chill out. (laughs) Like, I put them on blast. I have my followers go after them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, I see an opportunity and I take it. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, I I wish people understood. Like, I I know you feel compelled to say this, but just say it to yourself. Write it on a piece of paper. Burn it with love. Release it with love. Like, don't send that to me. It's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate that that's normal. It should totally be illegal to send non-consensual nudes. It's very frightening. Instagram won't even take any action on it, even though it violates the guidelines. Instagram really needs to get their shit together. We could have a yeah, whole another so conversation about community guidelines, but yeah, let's not. I will Y'all, not. We're two, we're two hours in. <laughs> I will not hop on that soapbox because we will be here for another hour. So yes, I definitely want to thank the both of you for doing this panel and being a part of it. Like I said, I admire both of you and what you do and your podcasts and the messages that you guys put out. And like I said earlier, I'm just proud to be alongside you guys in this space. And I champion for y'all success. I champion for all of our collective success in you know these missions that we have with these podcasts. And I hope people, you know, just continue to connect and resonate with it and and get introspective and get deep with it so i'm definitely gonna go listen to natalie your episode about how a blind person fucks when you mentioned that Mm. i was like oh my god i need to hear this i listened to the micro penis that was my favorite one okay of the ones that i listened and then i will buy your book i'm very interested on your book so for sure yeah, I'm writing that book well, too. I'll definitely be sending all of you guys some a spectrum of toys to try. I'm definitely interested if any of you have tried clit suckers before. I haven't. They scare me. Yet. I'm very <laughs> curious. Send me one. <laughs> Your sister likes knife play and a clit sucker scares you. <laughs> it's funny because she and I both did like the BDSM test. And hers looks like, you know, like the spicy levelness of wings on a, you know, menu at a sports bar. So it's like she's willing to try everything to a, some certain degree. And then mine is like a, a stoplight. It's red or green. That's so it. it's like, I know what I like. N- Nikki's the one that's like, I'm going to try everything. <laughs> We're very different in that way. Best yeah. of both worlds. Yep. All right. Well, guys, thank you again. Any final words from Natalie? Yeah. Any plugs? Yeah, I guess uh, plug the podcast, obviously, like How I Fuck. You can listen to it wherever you got podcasts. If you like it, please review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And our Instagram is at How I Fuck Podcast, but that's How I Fuck without the U. So F-C-K, same with Twitter. We're on there too. Same handle. Uh, how I fuck podcast without the you so fck and you can find my podcast slutrepreneur everywhere podcasts are played and if you don't know how to fucking spell you can find it at professionalgoddess.com i also share the uncensored version of my life on instagram at miss mothership so if you want to see how a sex worker runs um, an entire enterprise and just the ups and downs the highs and lows uh, check it out miss mothership on instagram and we are at Double Teamed Podcast, I think, on Twitter. Which one is it that it's at Double Teamed Pod? I think. <laughs> is that Twitter? I don't, there's one where it's at pod, because for some reason we couldn't do podcast. It really it's, pisses me off. I think it's off. Twitter. 
at Double Teen Pod. Yeah. yeah. But everywhere else, it's at Double Teen Podcast. <laughs> I hated that. Absolutely hated it. But yeah, at Double Teen Podcast. Thank you all for joining us today. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Remember, wear condoms. Catch us all on our respective podcasts. Thank you.